and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. On today's show, a weekend in motorsport, the landmark decision by Queensland Rugby League for their women's state of origin side and how David Warner and his Aussie teammates silence the critics to take home the T20 World Cup. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Marley Silva and as always, I am joined by my... Uh, I don't know. How are you guys feeling today? Give me an adjective from the crowd. An adjective. Come on. Oh, um, I mean cold, but I don't know what the weather's doing in Sydney. <laughs> okay. Um, croaky. I'm, I'm croaky. I'm joined by my cold and croaky co-hosts, Georgia Moore and Keely Silva. Hey, that was some good alliteration. That was. I quite like that. Kind of work. Um, girls, how were your weeks for starters? Uh, week was good. Not a heap to report. Really not a heap to report. My <laughs> housemates join me. Next week when we're recording, I'll have friends again. So Yay! that's something to look forward to. That's um, so good. But other than that, that's Kelly, how was your week? <laughs> yeah, my week was pretty good. Um, I'm not really sure why I sound like this because I didn't drink on the weekend. So here we are. Um, it's apologies. COVID. It's apologies. Yeah, no, it's not COVID, guys. <laughs> I have a new hat that I got on the weekend. Yep. Um, can I just say... I that? asked and she told me I wasn't allowed to know until she told you all. Yeah, so. I, I I know the story. We're going to hear the story. I'm a little bit concerned that you didn't wash the hat before you put it on. I, I knew I thought about it, but, you know, we're here now. So I can't be bothered. Like, okay, you know. we'll hear about the hat. It wouldn't be a Chicks and Balls episode without a hat chat, apparently. Um, I'm wearing a new hat too. It's oh, yellow. Oh, nice. I am not wearing a hat as per usual. Yeah, my week was really good. Thanks, guys. Um, um, you didn't let me ask, but go on. Um, yeah, it was it was all right. Yeah, I, I don't even know. It's not we much all had pretty uneventful weeks by the same <laughs> yeah. time. Oh, well, it's better than being in lockdown, let's be honest. Let's get into our first segment. Feedback feels with Kiehl's. First of all, you didn't let me tell my hat story. Oh, I thought that was going to be in feedback. Well, not really. It's not really feedback. Well, it's feedback from you about hats. Okay, sweet. We'll, we'll work with that. Um, I just negotiated with a, a random dude um, that I wanted the hat. Not really. He wasn't random. We knew. I knew his friend. Um, but there was this big, big kerfuffle of, you know, everyone wanted the hat. So then I was like, well, I want the hat because everyone wants the hat. And I just asked if I could have it and I have it. And it says, what does it actually say? It says, I can't even say it. Golf daddy. <laughs> it has a dog oh next to the golf. I don't understand. I don't why. really get it. My hat also has a dog and it's also stolen. So, a bit of a theme happening. Oh, yeah. I'm not mad about that. What, how did you get your hat? Um, it was a friend of mine's who, now that I think about it, I have a few of his hats. Um, <laughs> and he was like, well, I really, it's like just like a rod and gun dog hat. And he was like, Yellow's not really my colour. I was like, sick, it's mine. And wow, it. wow. And it's not my colour, but I took it Can anyway. I just go back to Keely's hat guy? Can I say I'm glad he woke up on Sunday morning hatless because he kept coming up to me and being like, can I have a sip of your drink? <laughs> and at first I was like, okay, sure, weird, COVID, but also whatever, I don't really care. And he took a sip and he was like, yeah, thanks. And then he came back and he asked for another sip of my drink. And I was like, no. And he goes, come on, brother. 
That's what he said to me. Yeah, he kept calling me brother. Come too. on, brother. And I was like, I don't know you from a bar Did of he think you had the hat and he was like, the least no, you could no, do this, is give he me he still sip. had the hat on at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then, so, you know what, mate? He deserved to have his hat stolen. It, it, it was very confusing. I just didn't know why he kept coming back and And then the weirdest asking. thing was after the whole, like, don't touch my hat, no one's taking the hat. He was like, yeah, you can have it. You deserve it. I was like, okay. Thank you. I mean, I really deserved it because he kept taking my drinks. But I you didn't, didn't want ask for it. I didn't want it. He was a dirty looking boy. Sorry. <laughs> she really had greasy mean. hair. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the actual feedback. A dishonorable mention to myself um, for not talking about or having it on my one to watch the Socceroos qualifying match that was ah. played on Thursday night. Very mm. off myself. I am the soccer gal in this crew. I should have known. I should have spoken. Actually, I did know. I just completely forgot. Um, we should have spoken about it. So that's um, a big no-no for Keeley. I'm sad about the guy who did his ACL in that oh, game. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That's Very sad. sad. Um, and also to us for talking about Hot Girl Summer last week. Yeah, that. Um, it's not Cardi B. It's Meg- Megan The Stallion and Nicki Minaj. Yes. Just to clarify. If anyone picked up on that last week, apologies. And the last one is from very loyal listener, Gabrielle.cruddy. Um, she said that if I was to participate in any Winter Olympic sport drunk, I would do the skeleton, which is probably facts. Which is the one when you go hurtling down head first in an ice chamber. Yeah, sounds like me. And only Keely would be up for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, G Moore, I'm going to throw to you now for a bit of a feedback because we need to keep updated around whether Dr. Harry Moore's NBA formula, which we spoke about last week on the pod, has been successful once again. Well, I'm not going to lie. I was a bit late to asking him this question, (laughs) but the first day, which was the spreadsheet that he sent me for that round, was six from eight. Wow. Wow. And... I, I don't have any further updates, but okay. when he sends it through, yep. I'll be back. All right, and we'll put it on the gram because I think the people want to know about this one. It is truly amazing. Mm, six from eight, first day, not bad. Not bad. Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds where we dive into the biggest headlines from sports media of the week gone by. And to kick us off this week, G Moore is going to run us through some motorsport stuff. Originally in our little script, I had written the heading as G Moore's Fast Cars. Um, which is fitting. Which is fitting. So, so fitting. Um, if you'd I also like it. to do a rendition of Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, that would be great. Um, but otherwise, please fill us in on this story. That is a great song. Yes. Um, and I will just say Fast Cars and Motorbikes. But true. <laughs> we move. So in a weekend on the tracks that can only be described as utter chaos, we saw one of the most brilliant yet controversial wins in F1 history by Lewis Hamilton and the retirement of the doctor, the god of MotoGP, the one and only Valentino Vale Rossi after 25 years on the bike. Wow. So a quarter of a century after his Grand Prix debut, Rossi retired in a weekend dedicated to celebrating his illustrious career. One of the all-time greats, the legendary Italian bowed out with nine world championships to his name and the only rider in history to win titles in all three MotoGP engine categories, as they have updated. At 42 years of age, Rossi took all the applause from the 75,000-strong crowd as he rode an ovation lap in Valencia. 
which was his 432nd GP since starting his career back in 96. He thinks retirement will be difficult and is quoted as saying, especially in March when the season starts again, I already regret stopping. He admitted that you imagine this moment for such a long time, but you never know how you're going to feel. If you're going to be able to stay focused on the race or if you're going to be sad, but it was a great weekend. I was motivated and focused as if I was fighting for the championship because the last race is the last race and it's very important. It was not easy because there was a lot of pressure, but I was able to get into the top 10. So that means I'm ending my long career among the top 10 riders in the world. And that's important to me. I'll always be able to say that in my last race, I finished in the top 10 and that was the most important thing to be competitive because I'm still a rider. So I would say, where were you in 96 when his (laughs) career began? But Kiels and I weren't even born. So maybe what do you think it takes to keep a career going for a quarter of a century? Or if it were magically possible, what other athletes would you like to see achieve the feat? Well, on the fact that like, what do you think is the the way that you maintain that longevity. I think that we have spoken about quite a few athletes on this podcast in different sports who've done it for a long time. I don't know how many have reached that many years in anything, especially if it's a physical kind of sport, but it seems that they all have a pretty level head. I feel like that's a um, pretty common consistent characteristic of these kinds of people. Um, And I think there's a balance of not believing your own height but being really confident in your skill set. Like there's that, you know, you think of like an MJ who definitely was cocky to a certain extent and knew how good he was um, but still put the work in and and still was kind of humble in, in turning up to training kind of sense. I don't know. It's funny when I was listening to our episode back with Matt Duffy yeah. this week, it kind of made me think about this because he just said something about like there's a level of arrogance that all athletes need to have. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, it's really about finding the line between confidence and arrogance and like knowing when you need to back yourself. But knowing that if you back yourself too much, you won't get better yeah. sort of thing. I, yeah. I also feel like it, there needs to be, and I feel like this is a common theme, um, that these athletes are really self-aware. So knowing your body, knowing your mind, knowing everything that, you know, if you know you need to focus on something, like you're going to focus on it um, or, you know, if you need a rest, you need a rest, all that stuff. Yeah, I feel like they're very self-aware, which is um, important. Yeah. Which athlete would we like to see do this for that long? Oh, I'm trying to think of like athletes that – I, I never wanted to like, see stop. Yeah, I don't want to not be able to watch them. For me, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Like I really could have just watched him run forever. Yeah, 100%. Like, and when it's a sport like that where you only really see it at the Olympics, so what we only really see him like three yeah. times, yeah. you're like, like, that's not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, a good one. That is a really good one. Well, look, I'm going to just back you Usain Bolt claim because that really feels like – such a good one. He and, and it did feel like we didn't see him enough, didn't it? And if I feel like Olympians is like, like I said, in those sports, like Kathy, like imagine yeah. twenty five years of Kathy, yeah, like <laughs> she'd become a dead last by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, but like, but yeah, wild. it'd be amazing. If you, the listeners, have any athletes you would love to see um, go that long, yeah. please tell us. Yeah, make us think about other people for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and now to one of my favourite times of most weeks, the F1. The drama this weekend began before the races even did when Mercedes said that they were going to upgrade Lewis's engine this race weekend, which is completely legal. However, it does come with a five-place grid penalty for the race on Sunday. So Lewis already had that penalty in the bank. Keep it in mind. Saturday rolled around and he came first in qualifying, which puts him back to fifth place on the grid for Sunday. Max then illegally inspected Lewis's car after qualifying and earned himself a 50,000 euro fine for doing so. And when in the press conference he was asked if he pays it or if Red Bull wear the fine, he said, I pay for it and I hope that the FIA have a very nice dinner with lots of nice wine. Maybe I can come to that and I'll pay for it too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) After that though, Max's inspection did draw attention to Lewis's rear wing and then it was deemed to be illegal by the FIA for his DRS wing being too wide, which is F1 jargon and I won't bore you with it. But the bottom line is it was illegal by point two millimeters oh my God. so he was then disqualified from his p1 qualifying meaning for the sprint qualifier he started at the back of the pack in 20th place now the sprint is a shorter form race to decide the standings for the grand prix on the sunday and in only 24 laps he gained to fifth place which is 15 overta- overtakes But including his engine penalty of five places, it meant he starts 10th in the Grand Prix on Sunday. You're following. Yes. All up over the weekend, he's penalised 25 (gasps) places plus fines. And now he's at the back at arguably the most important Grand Prix of the year because he and Max are so close in points. And his personal most emotional Grand Prix because Brazil is Anton Senna's home grid, who is like... Lewis's inspiration, God-like, former past F1 driver. And after lights out on Sunday, which is the start of the race, Lewis made 19 overtakes uh, from the back of the pack and won with a margin of 10 seconds, which for context, last week, Max beat Lewis by 0.2 seconds, which was considered a good win. So... Just like the most undeniable race from Lewis and really, again, cementing the fact that he's not done yet and he's still the GOAT. But in celebrating, he loosened his seatbelt to grab a Brazilian flag for his celebratory lap and was fined for that being dangerous. They can't touch their seatbelts in the car and was fined €25,000, 20 of which are suspended. But after all of this, he said, I don't remember another weekend like this. The last time I remember having something like this was in Formula 3 in Bahrain. McLaren had ripped up my contract and I remember I was racing for my life that weekend. Did I think I could come from last? I didn't know what was possible, but I just gave it everything. And this has definitely probably been one of the best weekends, if not the best weekend I've experienced in my whole career. Holy cow. Oh, my God. I didn't realize the whole context of that because I did see the footage of Max touching the the thing on the side. The car, which was fan footage. Like a fan submitted it to the FIA and was like, "Um, Max is touching Lewis's car, (laughs) which hasn't always been illegal and Seb Sebastian Vettel is known for like inspecting cars all the time but it's since been made illegal. Wow. Well I, I saw that and I heard that Lewis was starting um, from 10th right he ended up starting from 10th and I was like that's weird and I didn't think about that I didn't know anything about the penalties and that can I just say I know you love Max G but 
Lewis is the goat. Like, oh, he is absolutely. The goat, goat. No, for sure. And like, I look forward to seeing because Max is so young, and Lewis is at the end, yeah. right? So I'm excited to see Max like grow into that once Lewis is like out of. It, yeah. But like you can't deny, like he's phenomenal just, on the track. That just I'm makes like, me think of. Cars. I don't want him to win, but he's insane. Yeah, like oh, that's ridiculous. Like hearing all of absolutely. that. Absolutely, and really after a couple of really strong performances from Max, this was the do or die race because the championship's getting so close. There's only three races left. Brazil, Mercedes are known to be quite dominant in Brazil. Mm. Like just so wild but it asks the question of the politics of favorites in sport because toto wolf who is if you've watched drive to survive the very charismatic uh principal at mercedes and he could be heard on the radio after qualifying saying like brilliant job lewis fuck them all at the penalties because he you know stands by the comment that um Lewis is so much more scrutinised than every other driver because he is the best. Yeah. And I just wonder where we all sit, like how it's one of those things where he's a love to hate personality now, but when he's gone and done, every, it was the same as like Anton Michael Schumacher, yeah. Sebastian Vettel at his prime, like all of these people that people hate while they're racing until they're done. And then you're like, oh, my God, he won seven championships yeah, yeah. and fought for an eighth. Yeah. Like, yeah. So is your question like how we feel about those favourite kind of characters? Yeah, and I guess if we do sit with people like Toto who truly believe that sporting, like governing bodies and so forth look further into favourites. Yeah. I feel like you subconsciously look into that. Like I don't know if it's like a I think you're held to a high standard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but there's definitely – already like a preconceived idea or opinion on the favourites, 100%, always. Yeah. And you always, I mean, it's a bit of the Aussie spirit, but you always feel sorry for the little guy. You always want the underdog to win. Yeah, and I, I think it's very Australian of us to kind of, you know, love to hate the best because mm. we want that or we think the best thinks they're better than us, um, <laughs> which, you know, like is silly. But I, I think with this kind of stuff – I admire people who are that good. Like I think when I was a bit younger, I was more of a for the underdog person. But if you're the best and you can maintain being the best, like yeah. that's unreal. Totally respect yeah, that. Yeah, so much respect. So we love Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> we love we Lewis. Love it was so after like even Max honestly was like, what a great battle. Yeah. Like he earned every inch of that race. And at the end, Toto was like to come back from 20 – um, from a 20-place penalty and Lewis was like, it was 25, but sure. <laughs> like, oh 25 penalties, which is like there's only 20 cars on yeah. the grid. So, yeah. like, wow. how many can you – like, just insane. Yeah. Well, thanks for filling us in on the fast cars and bikes there, G. Yeah, I actually need that as an update. Appreciate it. Makes me live my dream of Cars the movie also. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, much to the joy of us chicks, we saw the announcement of what is arguably one of the biggest steps in the journey towards equality for women in the sport of rugby league. The Queensland Maroons announced from 2022 elite players who take part in camps and are selected for the Women's State of Origin Series will receive a fee of $15,000. The same that's given to the players in the men's team. So... I was jumping out of my skin when I saw this, girls. How were you guys feeling when you read it as well? 
I think I was in a bit of disbelief to begin with. Yeah. I had to definitely read it a couple of times and Google around to be like, wait, wait, what's happening here? Just because, like, obviously I'd love it, but I didn't believe that we were this close. Yeah, it kind like, of especially like after just a couple of months ago, like, fighting for the women to be playing at all. Mm. Like, for this to roll around so quickly seems like quite the backflip, but no, elated, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. I think... Um, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, what? Like, why is this happening? And just wasn't expecting it coming from Queensland Rugby League. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in you saying, um, G, about like doing a bit of reading and what it actually means, I do have here um, what's actually going to happen. So later this month, the QRL will announce an emerging um, squad of players who will come together for camps and other sessions before the end of the year. Then early next year and during the NRLW season, a series of camps Camps will also be held at, uh, for a revised squad of 30 players. Those players will be given $4,000 to compensate them for time off from work, travel and other expenses. And the 19 players who were chosen for the final camp ahead of State of Origin in June will receive another another $7,000. And then the 18 players picked to play will get a further $4,000 for the match payment. So that's how that's going to be spread out um and and like you said it's so interesting because in that whole debacle of the late postponement of the NRLW season and the fight for the girls to even be paid for the month of work that they had done leading up to that point do we think it's because the QRL operates separately or differently to the NRLW Mm. short answer yes yeah Yeah. I think that's them for having that money there to do it or So this is where I think it gets interesting in in having spoken to a couple of boys who have represented Queensland sort of since this was announced. The match fee for the men was taken from 30 to 15 due to COVID last year Mm -hmm. and then again this year. And I believe they've signed for that to be the case for next year. So my question, I suppose, and not that either of you will have the answer, (laughs) but what happens if and when the men's go back up to 30 or is this a cut from the men's to give the women a piece of the pie Mm. and they don't ever go back up to 30 or do the women continue to match? Like what, like it's a huge call from Queensland and I love it and as a Queenslander I'm proud of it and all of those things I wonder if a little bit was a bit of an up yours to the NRL to be like we'll we'll take care of it then yeah um and we'll be the first to do so or yeah how they maintain this because if after next year when they predict for the expenses of COVID relocations and delays etc etc to be um remedied by the end of the series men's series next year if the men's get bumped back to 30, do the women's follow suit or do the men now take a forever pay cut to be giving half of that? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. To the gals. Yeah, that's so and interesting. And something I wouldn't have known. No mm. way. And something I think has planted a seed of doubt in the men's camp because they're like, well, sort of, you know, we agreed to this pay cut temporarily. Now they're not really sure where it all stands. But also, come on, boys. Look at how much you earned during the year. What's the, what's the difference? Like, and this is to pay yeah. women so they can actually do it for a job. Come on. Exactly. And no, no, I don't think in a negative way at all. Yeah, I think yeah. they're just like. It's a question. Yeah. It's a question yeah. and people 
naturally want transparency around such huge figures. And I wonder if they even know, like, because they can't see that full loss and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, until... And does Queensland Rugby League make money from having all the games in Queensland? I mean, you'd have to imagine it would, Surely. but at the same time, the cost of delays and relocations yeah, yeah, are yeah, yeah. It's probably insane all too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the next thing that's real going to be really interesting, but up until the time of recording, New South Wales Rugby League hasn't done anything, but they did make a statement saying that they really are in and I'm putting like quotation hands up. They're very invested in the women's game and if it ever comes to a point where we um have the money money to do the same. Of course, we would love to compensate the women in this way. Do you think? But it's kind of like we're committed to change. <laughs> all that wank. But up. then, like, where is the lack of money to New South Wales as opposed to Queensland? Well, that's why I asked if Queensland makes money for having all the games in Queensland. Yeah, because that would be the only difference. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Sounds I like think, like, if s- in hindsight, though, like this. Well, for us, this seems like a really new decision. I saw a few posts that were like, you know, women in boardrooms and people have been working behind the scenes to make this happen for a very long time, which they have. But you wonder if that decision was made prior to or at the same time or after the decision to cut the men's pay. Yeah. Because if they had already made the men's decision and that wasn't really factored in yet – then you would assume that Queensland are operating at a loss because they yeah. couldn't afford to keep the men's salary and then they've pulled this money. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's obviously a lot of number crunching behind the it, scenes. It but definitely sounds like we need to speak to a dude in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line is this is great. I think yeah. this is great and this is, uh, I mean, must be amazing um, for the girls who are going to see that payment when they are playing in the maroon and um, hopefully we see it trickle out to all facets of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that it is like obviously the girls who take the field get the full payment but there is compensation and significant compensation there for the girls who are part of the squad altogether. Well, I was just going to say that could be the reason that they don't go. Like, you know, they can't can't afford to take time off. And this is what I've had in conversation with a lot of people who, you know, still are a bit unsure or question the fact that they're not bringing in as much money and it is the one game versus the three and the men, blah, blah, blah. It's back to that same thing that we talk about so often. If they're not given the opportunity to make this their full-time gig that they can commit and train to and improve their craft in order to make it a more a higher quality game there's no room for the growth period yeah. so at a bare minimum it's giving them space yeah. to make it better 100 percent. australia has shocked the cricket world to win its first ever t20 world cup title after our boys smashed new zealand in the final this past monday morning chasing 173 for victory it was mitch marsh who was the hero for australia as he muscled an unbeaten 77 from 50 balls to set up the win with seven balls to square to square to square to square with seven balls to spare David Warner, who was dismissed and spoken of as beyond his prime in the lead-up and opening stages of this World Cup, also hit 53 from 38 balls and was named Player of the Tournament. The triumph helped end a 14-year wait for Australia to claim the trophy that has previously eluded them and 
Because I am a true cricket convert now, when I woke up to this news on Monday morning, I was stoked about it. Girls, how did you guys feel? Um, Yeah, I felt stoked because I was kind of like sucked in everyone who was, you know, giving it to them. And I think um, I was actually speaking to a patient at work about it all and chasing that kind of number for a victory. It's actually a really decent um, win in the cricket world. Yeah. So... My favourite thing was the photos of David Warner's face on the side when they won. Like he's just like, and it was hectic. There were such good photos. I um, will admit I kind of get sucked into the negativity when it comes to stuff like this. And, you know, ever since like Sandpaper Gate and whatever, I'm kind of like, yeah, David Warner's past his prime. And, and then I wake up to news like this. I'm like, yeah, the Aussies like never doubted us for a second. Like in sports that I'm not fully involved in, I tend to, you know, go where the headlines take me, which is not a trait I'm proud of, but I'm being honest. Hey, that's um, what we need, honesty. I really did, though, enjoy the sort of Mitch Marsh comeback story and him being like, yeah, most of Australia hates me and sort of being quite transparent in that he's like, you know, I've been given opportunities at test level and I haven't always executed like a test player should and sort of nice to be the hero yeah. for once and sort of like get everyone back on side. I liked that story arc for him. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the Sandpaper Gate thing because I always think about that when I look at David Warner. Same. And, and I, so many people like really do hate him, right, because of this. Mm. And and I just – I was so pissed I, off I, at that time when that came out because I was like, really, guys, this is the thing we're going to throw – be all up in arms and all that stuff. I know I've spoken about this before, but it's just – it's always – flabbergast me yeah I think yeah and again like in that trait of mine that I just acknowledged (laughs) like he just didn't handle it in the same way as Steve Smith and he sort of was you know a bit of a sacrificial lamb I feel and like I I won't lie I bought into that narrative but I just think like my heart went out to Steve Smith and I couldn't get past David Warner's crocodile tears at that airport press conference a lot of me was like oh mate like but good on him. Yeah. I'm obviously stoked for him. Yeah, yeah, I was stoked. Yeah, I have to now talk about some of the highlights in the post-game celebrations from the Aussies. We always love this. Yes. So this is brilliant from Adam, Adam Zampa. He said in a chat with ABC Sport before the final that when people write off him or his team, he likes to keep the receipts and um, – has since <laughs> been sharing some quotes from some sports commentators oh who wrote gosh. the Aussies off right at the beginning, including this quote from Michael Vaughan. Um, his pre-tournament assessment of Australia was this, quote, I'll say it now, I don't give Australia much chance. In T20 cricket, they have struggled. I don't see Australia doing much. England, India, West Indies, New Zealand, maybe Pakistan but Australia was not in that list. And he just did that on the photo of them winning, I think in the sheds, that's what it was. There's also been some great footage of the cricket boys whipping out the ski goggles, which we know now is like so standard when you win a big thing like this in the dressing rooms. And there are really great celebration videos. There's one of them listening to that song, Free From Desire. And it's like about to hit the peak and then the music cuts off and all the boys are like, oh, whatever. And I don't know if this is me being a bit silly and um, 
prejudice to cricketers, but they're just like they seem really cute, like cute, like little boys that's having a party. A bit, that's a bit condescending, I think. Yeah, they just don't seem as dirty as footballers. I think that's what <laughs> I'm trying to say. As jock, but they they're, give off a different. Yeah, they're yeah. just like you're just having a great time. It's also, awesome. question to the listeners, unless you guys can answer it: When did Freed from Desire become the Australian sports celebratory song because I, every AFL team who won a final was like <laughs> raving to it in the rooms um, and now the like where did it come from I actually don't know what to say. the first time I actually heard it the lyrics were changed and Dude, it would have been D like four, on fire. Marley I'm telling the story Sorry. about four years ago probably maybe four three or four um our one of our local footy clubs um in the Shire De La Salle sings it and they say D La's on fire Everyone is terrified or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's the first time I heard it and the lyrics are mean So it's an old thing. Yeah, like, I think this so. is not a. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> because I, like, obviously that video of the Bulldogs with all the lights yeah. off in the rooms, like, going ham. And then Melbourne did it after they won. And I didn't know if they were taking the piss out of the dogs or what was happening. But there's videos of so many teams doing it. Yeah. I'm just like, I mean, tune. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I love it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's like how we went through like the horses phase, like murder on the dance floor phase. Went through, please. Horses will live forever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the best thing is also now we get to defend our T20 World Cup title on Australian soil because it's coming here next. Next Super year. Fun. End of next year, I believe. So looking forward to seeing us hopefully go back to back. You the real MVP. Now we get to a segment that we call MVPs, where each week we award someone or something our own personal MVP title for something that they've done. I think I'll start this week. All right. Is that okay? Play on. I would love that, Molly. Thank you. Mine MVP is a little bit left of field for, for me. Um, I, is it because you love her? But I didn't. So, okay. It did take me by surprise when I saw it. Yes. And I have been surprised about how taken I have been by this event in pop culture this week, can I just say. So my MVP is the one and only Taylor Swift, right? Me and her, we have a, a tumultuous relationship. When I um, was a, a young gal, I loved Country Taylor because we all love Country Music Q. You guys know this. I loved Country Taylor. I was all about the Fearless album. I was so into it. I, that was very much to my demographic. Tim McGraw, the, iconic. Yeah. And that was, we were, I was a 14 year old girl and this was right for me. And then she went really poppy and I was like, whoa, man, why are you doing this? I, I don't come to Taylor Swift for pop. This is not what I'm about. I'm upset. I'm breaking up with you, you know. And then I've, I've liked a few songs in the last couple of years, but I haven't really been that, you know, taken by her. And I saw all this hype around the Red album being re-released with Taylor's version and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. don't really care. And then everyone was talking about the All Too World 10-minute version with the short film. Everyone, everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, couldn't escape it, couldn't get away from it. And I was like, fine, I'll watch it and I'll listen. And, oh, my God, what a piece of art. What a piece Would of Would you ever pick that it was over a three-month relationship? I know. And then I started reading everything about her and Jake Gyllenhaal and I was like, girl, how, why were you so invested? But, you know, the scarf metaphor, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. But anyway, thank you, Taylor Swift. That was amazing. See, I've never liked, like, I'm, yeah. just, I'm Well, I do love her. I respect mm-hmm. her, but I don't, like, Yeah, that's her. all right. Yeah. G Moore. Um, mine is, and I, look... I messaged my mum earlier today to be like, any MVPs for me, like having a think. And 
before I tell you what I settled on, I just want to give a shout out to Trace who said, me, for the fastest sprint up Amos Hill was eggs boiled, my eggs boiled dry and I nearly burnt the house down. Oh my so, God. Amos Hill is the, like our, our farm is called Amos Farm and pretty much the whole paddock is like one giant hill. So like it's a solid hill. <laughs> and um, apparently she ran up it very quickly. So go Trace. But my real MVP is... GQ Sports Instagram story. If you saw it on our Instagram, I did a Sunday wrap up of the best fits of the week and I got lost in a wormhole of game day fits on GQ Sport. I'm going to try and make it a regular thing on our Instagram. If you love sport fashion as much as we do, <laughs> follow them. It's so good. They post the best ones from all the sports and they add. I love, I love, I love. Amazing. Me. Okay. Um, I've got one. My main one and just a little one, just to mention. Um, the, my, so my main one is um, a little Italian man. Um, he is one of my patients um, and he always tells me all these lovely stories about his two sons own a pizza shop near us, Antonio's. Oh, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah. Um, and he, he, his name is Antonio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, he makes – um, his own pasta sauce and he brought some in and gave me a bottle of his homemade pasta sauce, which is really cute. And also I know it's going to taste hectic. Yeah. I'm very excited to try that. Um, my second MVP that probably needs a little more airtime and G-more, I'm very disappointed because you forgot to mention it. Seductive. Wrinkle the duck, right? Seductive on I Instagram. Did. I knew I had one when I text my mom. I was like, I know I had one. And sorry, keep going. No, it's fine. If you saw it on our Instagram, you would have enjoyed. If you didn't, go back and watch. G Moore miraculously found this duck who has 108K followers on Instagram. Um, her name is Wrinkle, uh, which is great. And the Instagram bio is a wrinkle in time, the time traveling duck. Oh. Yes. Um, Wrinkle went to the New York Marathon. Wow. And the video is just incredible. And ran it. Yeah. Ran it. I mean, probably didn't run waddled, the whole thing. Waddled. Waddled a little bit. Hey, we don't know that she didn't do it. Okay. Don't discredit her. This is true. But ducks are goats. Yeah. Ducks are goats. Ducks are goats. And There's the title for the episode. <laughs> ducks are goats and, um, yeah, we love And she had little shoes on. Yeah, it's really cute. You need to, you need to enjoy she also does heaps of good dancing TikToks. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. Wow. And always remember ducks fly together. Now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show that you should be watching for the week ahead. Georgia Moore, tell us what your one to watch is. No surprises here. <laughs> no surprises at all. Just like tying it all back in with a nice, neat little bow to the first segment. Well, second. Um, my one to watch is the final three races of the F1 season. There are three to go. The point difference between Max and Lewis for the title is like 11 or something very small. If they each win one and come second in another, they will go into the final race tied. Oh. And it, it's going to be in Abu Dhabi. No, Dubai is the final race. It's all very exciting. And if Lewis wins this year, he overtakes uh, Schumacher as the most capped 
world champion in F1. Um, so, like, obviously for Mick Schumacher, I hope that doesn't happen to, like, you know, keep his dad's record intact. But super exciting. Tune wow. into the last three or at least the results. Yeah. Holy. That's exciting. Woo. My one to watch um, is a one to listen that I listened to today, actually, and it really blew me away and I think it's a really important conversation to listen to. It's an episode of Mia Friedman's podcast, No Filter, with Phoebe Burgess. So a couple of weeks ago when SAS Australia was being aired, we spoke about the fact that Sam Burgess, who is Phoebe's ex-husband, had been given some air on that show and opportunities to tell his story about a lot of the, um, I guess, tumultuous parts of his and Phoebe's relationships that were made pretty public over the last couple of years. And the thing that kind of didn't sit very comfortably with me at the time, and I think a lot of people, was the fact that Phoebe hadn't had her chance to talk about it as well. I think especially because there were allegations of domestic violence and of some pretty just straight up awful behavior. Um, It seemed pretty wrong that her voice was being lost while he was getting his redemption arc. So this is Phoebe's first ever podcast interview and she speaks so eloquently and provides a really compelling um, conversation, not just specifically about her and Sam's relationship, but about her experience in the world of rugby league. And she calls it a subculture about what it's like to be a wag and how she doesn't feel comfortable with that title and all this sort of stuff that I think really resonated with me. My mum listened to it today, obviously, and uh, she rang me and she was like, oh my God, there's so much that she's spoken about here that makes me feel like I'm more on that. I was part of this world, obviously, because our dad played and mum, you know, was a wag, so to speak, you know, back before that word was even used. And it just really blew me away. I thought it was amazing. Like I found myself almost like writing a loser DM to Phoebe to be like, that was amazing and I don't know if it's just because, um, yeah, of, of our personal context that I, I felt connected to it but I think she's really brave and I think it's important, you know, regardless of what you think about the subject and what you think of Sam, you, you listen to her. So mine's a bit of a more serious one but I highly recommend I that. probably should have gone before you. No, we, we can finish <laughs> on, a, on a fun one. Okay. Well, bit of a backstory here. Marley and I couldn't talk about this last week because it hadn't been released. Two Thursdays ago, we, a lovely friend of the show, Brock, um, one of my great mates, um, who is brother of rapper Chillinit, or I should say Chillinit is Brock's brother. Um, He messaged us and he did the rounds and tried to recruit as many people as he could and we were the only ones that went (laughs) because we were like, yeah, we'll help you out. It was Um, so worth it. To be just extras in the background of um, his brother's new video clip. Um, So we... Went out in <laughs> so funny. Sorry, we went out and we um the the song is called Cashed Out Stoner. If you know anything about Chilling It, you know that that's very him. Um, and there were yeah, don't smoke drugs. Sorry, <laughs> don't don't have. But listen kids. to the song anyway. It's listen good. to the song. The song's really hectic, and um, you probably won't see us. We're in the back, but we had balaclavas on, and yep. it's which makes it even better because we just had absolutely no shame, and we were dancing and throwing gang signs. Yeah, and we were the only odds I can pick Marley from her dance moves, even in the balaclava. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I have got a screenshot, and I'm pretty sure it's my head. Yeah, she found it. And I she, did. So she I she even share. drew an arrow on the yeah. picture. 
like, like there's thing. a lot of people and we are the we're the only girls there who aren't just in like bras and pants like it's the best and <laughs> all the guys so kept looking at us before we were filming and being like who are they yeah why are they here and then <laughs> i was like chilling it said hello to us and we're like oh it's okay it's cool like we're like oh yeah he's like oh yeah it's too funny anyway um get around chilling it and get around rock <laughs> and watch the film but it's actually a great song yeah it, it was really good well that brings us to the end of another episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. We do have to tell you there are only a few weeks left. Uh, for 2021. For 2021, not ever. Um, just a couple of weeks left. We've got two more halftime huddles for you, a couple more episodes, and then we'll wrap up and take a break over the summer. We might re-release a few episodes from early in the year over the summer. So, yeah, people who weren't a part of the journey can can get around it again. But um, – we're always going to be in the Instagram and you've still got a little bit of time. So we'd love to hear if there's any stuff you really want to hear about before we finish up. Um, but other than that, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you hit follow. Check out our Chicks and Balls official pump up and country music playlist. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, hit subscribe. Give us a five star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls No Pod. And I guess we'll see you next time. Uh, Bye. We'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but we'll, oh. but we'll talk to you. <laughs>